This work is created on unceded Kichewank Band Wapenger land, unceded Lenape land, and land included in the Ocheti Shakowings 1805 session of 100,000 acres to the U.S. federal government for $2,000 that has also historically belonged to Anishinaabe Ojibwe peoples. Uh, in 1805, $2,000 was the equivalent of about $48,000 in 2022, according to officialdata.org, making this sale about 50 modern cents per acre. The world building in our podcast is partly inspired by constructions of indigeneity, informed both by ethnographies I've read from various time periods and sources, as well as by first-hand accounts, memoirs, auto-ethnographies, and collections of personal essays by indigenous American writers, artists, and scholars who focus on this concept. In the world of East that I have built, several cultural groups are at least partially based on cultures living on Earth. It is my responsibility as a Euro-American settler on unceded Wappinger land to be transparent about where and how I have borrowed, to portray these borrowed elements respectfully, and to exercise humility when my own lack of lived indigenous experience interferes with my ability to tell a story truthfully. For this reason, I have intentionally begun our story within the territory and perspectives of a colonizing culture on East, based largely on 19th century Northern European and Euro-American cultures, more like those of my own and my ancestors. When we perform the stories of Polyvox, we do so in English. The in-world explanation for this is that we have quote-unquote translated our text for you, the listener, from a language called Sherala Ohishva, whose phonology is based somewhat on Irish, that is spoken by this colonizing empire of the moon. Though I have done my best to be careful in the construction of race on East, I also didn't want to play our game in a post-racial framework, because I feel that would not advance my goal of bringing attention to racialized violence on Earth. As such, race on East is largely based on what languages an individual is fluent in, and I base the phonologies and sometimes grammars of these languages on living languages in the real world. Many of my choices were influenced by the geography of the regions where people settled on East, but there were political reasons to choose one language family over another as a basis of inspiration as well. Here are some of the phonological and grammatical influences on the languages of East. The Dunsong or Soko language is partially based on the grammar and phonology of Navajo or Tinepizad, spoken mainly in and around the Navajo Nation on the Colorado Plateau. I chose this basis because the speakers of Soko live in an isolated, high-elevation temperate desert analogous to the American Southwest, where their language experiences little influence from outsiders. I also wanted the languages of the Great Continent to be tonal, like Navajo, but unrelated to each other. The Green Song, or Wo language, is partially based on the phonology of Vietnamese. I chose this language to base Wo on because Wo was supposed to be a tonal language originally spoken in a humid subtropical swampy river valley, somewhat analogous to the river valleys of Southeast Asia, before the Green Song were forced into diaspora by invaders from the Southwest. Vietnamese provides a good starting point for a language with phonemic tones that evolved in a humid region. The Grey Song, or Ming La language, is partially based on the phonology of Ngosa, a Nguni language used as one of the official languages of both Zimbabwe and South Africa. I chose this basis because the Grey Song live in high elevation climates of a tropical region of East, and there are speculations about how high elevation may influence the development or incorporation of click and ejective consonants into a language. I therefore wanted a tonal language with clicks and ejectives. Ngosa is a well-documented example of such a language. 
The Lycan tongue, or Inquine, language family is partially based on the grammars and phonologies of algic languages like Potawatomi, Nishnibemwin, a language being revitalized that was originally spoken in the Great Lakes region, and Ojibwe, Anishinaabemwin, a group of dialects spoken across a wide swath of the northern Great Plains in North America. I chose the algic languages because Inquine is spoken on vast cold grasslands, analogous to the American and Canadian Midwest. I also wanted my Inquine speakers to use a verb-heavy language, following Dr. Robin Wall Kimmerer's observations that verb-heavy languages such as Nishnebemwen may have influenced the Potawatomi and other Algic family speakers to view their world as a set of dynamic, fluid, interdependent events, rather than static containers and labels for lifeless objects. The Murming, or Kashat, language is partially based on the phonology of West Greenlandic, Kalashisut, currently the standard dialect of Greenlandic. I chose this basis because Kashat is a language family spoken largely on the white waste near the south pole of Ys, which is geographically a lot like Greenland. I also wanted phonemic vowel length and a lateral fricative, just because I aesthetically like those features and I found them in Greenlandic. I should highlight that the bases of these constructed languages were chosen almost entirely for aesthetic purposes. The languages I constructed out of these living languages' phonologies are grammatically and lexically distinct from their Earth counterparts. For one thing, on Ys, most of these languages have quote-unquote evolved from different versions of John Quijada's constructed language Ithquil, as if it were a natural spoken language. Therefore, though a Soko word may sound like it could plausibly belong to the Navajo language and may even be a Navajo word by accident, it is constructed from an entirely different etymology and a wholly distinct set of grammatical rules. The languages on Ys are tied into different historical and cultural narratives than the systems of earth sounds on which they're based. So... Why have I done all of this? Well, partially this really helps make the world of East feel lived in, but also it's my hope that emulating the way real live languages and cultures have evolved and interacted will draw attention to these issues of indigeneity, colonial violence, and sovereignty that are central to my values. Which is why 20% of all this show's profits will be donated to indigenous-led nonprofits such as Seeding Sovereignty and the First Nations Development Institute. In Belonging, a Culture of Place, Bell Hooks says, We often cause ourselves suffering by wanting only to live in a world of valleys, a world without struggle and difficulty, a world that is flat, plain, consistent. East, like Earth, is not a world of valleys. East is a world of violent storms, and inscrutable oceans, and creeping uncertainty, and freezing cold, where to survive, one must find and bind to a community quickly and loyally. Making racial and cultural conflicts a central theme of this show is a choice I've made in the spirit of facing a world that is not flat or plain or consistent. To escape into a post-racial game, I feel, would be an irresponsible use of my talents and my platform, such as they are. So, from the bottom of the seas of East, and from the bottom of my heart, thank you for listening to our show. Now let's get to work and have a good time together.